views expressed on the Health on a Win podcast is not a substitute for the medical advice of your licensed physician, nurse practitioner, or any other health professional whose care you are under. Consult with your healthcare professional about any matters relating to your health and health needs, and before beginning any new health program or implementing any health information discussed on this podcast or on whatismyhealth.com. This recording contains sensitive content, including references to drugs and alcohol, that may be triggering to some listeners. Discretion is advised. So, yes, today is a thousand days. When we previously recorded, it was 927 days. But today, I have successfully completed 1,000 days being sober of alcohol. Uh, Remember, guys, it is very important to honor your day count and not plan too far ahead in order to keep a happy and healthy sobriety. So I hope you enjoy what you're about to listen to or watch and um, honor yourself and love yourself. All right, we're here for the 19th episode of the Health on a Whim podcast. Host Mike Travato here with my guest today, my good longtime friend, Rich Shute. He's the general manager of Long Island Health and Racket, a local health club here on Long Island. You've been working at the, uh, at the health club for, you started there when we were in high school? I started actually July 2nd, 2002. So next year will be 20 years. And you started out as uh, the swim instructor, right? I actually started out as uh, as maintenance for one day, and then okay. um, actually another manager and decided to pick me up and uh, said, uh, "You would, you, would I like to work fitness?" And I was like, "Okay, sure." So I ended up uh, working the weight room first, and then when I turned seventeen, I got my certification to teach swim lessons, and I did that most of uh, most of through high school and then through college. Okay, so you were there a little bit before you actually started teaching swim. Because I remember, I remember you were, you've been, I mean, I know you've been teaching swim for forever, basically. I didn't yeah. realize that you hadn't started uh, initially at the health club doing that. But fun, interesting fact, my very first job there was when I was 12. I was actually a clown. They <laughs> what? Me, they paid me to be a clown and uh, just basically dress up the hair, the makeup and everything and just kind of dance around as uh, they were having a membership appreciation party. So I just stood there and handed out flyers. Okay. Unpaid, but, you know, happy because they knew I was wacky. I was doing like, you know, I'd help <laughs> out with the birthday parties. So. Right, right. Just, it was like, hey, you want to do this? And I said, sure. <laughs> I, I got to be honest with you. I, I've thought about inviting you onto the podcast for probably about a year and a half now or two years now. And I, I didn't, I didn't ask you until a couple of weeks ago. Um, I guess partially because the nature of what, what I wanted to talk to you about, I know it's such a personal thing. Um, but I guess it's, I guess I'll introduce that here now also is that, uh, today you're 927 days sober, right? Yes, I am. It was two and a half years the other day, right? Yeah. Two and a half years on the September 27th. Okay. So I thought that you know, sobriety and, and addiction was an important topic. And being that we've been friends for what are we, we've been friends for like 25 years now. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. <laughs> You've been better with, with numbers than I. No. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah. It was, it was 90, it was the summer of 97. So we're going on 24 plus years now, but before we, before we get into all that, the basis of our friendship was definitely, I guess it was rooted in like voices like I know you and I both like it, like doing impressions, like doing voices, and and obviously like the, our big thing was if we, you know we were just saying the other day like if YouTube was around when we were kids, we definitely would have tried to put stuff on there. So much, so much with all the wacky stuff we did, just in, in general, just our generation missed out on that as as kids. But yeah, no, we would have 
totally. Oh, yeah. 100%. I don't know how well received it would have been. It probably would have been like six views and we would have been like, this is the best. Oh, no, totally. One view, we would have we would just been sitting there. Yeah, and every time we refresh, it's like, it keeps going up and it would just be us. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, but we, I mean, we, I still have those recordings on cassette somewhere. I don't know where exactly, but somewhere I have like a little case of old cassettes and that and those recordings are on there i should i should probably upload them and try to like digitize them that would be insane right? <laughs> i gotta figure i'm sure there's some kind of a, like usb cassette adapter out there now that i could probably buy on there's gotta be i actually have jaws because i'm a huge jaws fan and i have it on vhs dvd um blu-ray and then i got a 4k television i went out and bought a 4k jaws Okay. I thought it would be on the PS4, but no, I actually had to buy a 4K player Are you just serious? so I can watch Jaws. Yeah, no. So didn't you take a trip, uh, like a Jaws-related trip? Yes, I did. So um, I, actually, I actually went up to Martha's Vineyard with my wife, and uh, uh, I met up with a couple of friends who I met on uh, a couple of Jaws groups, and it was insane. We got toured around by a guy named Mickey Waters, and it was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> what what kind of stuff did you do up there? Like, was it, did you go to like, see, like sites where they, they filmed scenes from the they, movie? Yeah. They filmed it all, all up, all up there, all up in Martha's Vineyard. So he showed us all these different sites. Obviously not everything is still there, but you get the basic gist of it. And then Mickey was just like, Oh, you guys want to check this out? I'm like, check what out? He's like, oh, it's John Belushi's grave. I'm like, yeah, I love this comedy. And I'm, I loved Animal House. So yeah. And other movies as well. So, I'm going back to just kind of like making a timeline of our friendship. So we had our, our recordings that we did in middle school and then, <laughs> and then there was the, <laughs> the backyard wrestling. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, those are in the, in the archives, hopefully deep, but no, but we actually, I remember uh, we bonded over that when we did the 10 year anniversary. Yeah. Like you and I, I mean, we've been friends since we were about 10 years old, but I feel like there were a couple of periods of time where like we kind of, not that we fully lost touch, but we, you know, we weren't hanging out as much. And 10, 11 years ago, we, we came back together for that anniversary of, of when we started the backyard wrestling and, uh, and we watched the old tapes and stuff. That's when I kind of reconnected with some of the other guys. Like we would like occasionally text each other, but like we, I didn't really see them much in college. And then after that, we kind of picked back up. So we were doing, we were doing, we were doing the wrestling stuff in high school. That actually started at a pizza hut. It did start at a pizza hut. It was the idea was born inside the pizza hut. And then we had our first match outside the pizza hut. Oh, we did. I forgot about that. It was, yeah. Okay. So at that point I hadn't actually gotten into pro wrestling, but a couple of the other guys, you know, were into it and they kind of sold me on it. I feel like for me, the fun part was it was getting to play the different characters because there are only six of us and yeah. we each played like three or four different characters. I always I always found that to be I think that's one of the things I enjoyed about it the most that and like writing the different stories and stuff like the, we had we tried to do real like storylines where there were rivalries and like it was I mean, for what it's worth, I mean, it was terrible, but it was it was kind of cool. Like I had, I had, well, okay. I use the word cool loosely. I just, I enjoyed it. Like I got, 
I got into, I had a, I still have a binder somewhere, probably either at my parents' house or it might be in my, up in my attic now of stuff that I have to go through. But I have a binder of all the old matches like written out like wow. in, a, in a notebook where <laughs> I remember we did this one event where like we had these different cross matchups, like different, we had divisions. Like one character was in, was in the heavyweight division. One character was in like this, this other division. And like, I had this whole web chart of like, okay, this person can't face that person because they're the same person. And then this person's character from this division is going to cross over here and fit. And it was like this whole, I mean, I spent so much time in class just writing that stuff in my notebooks. <laughs> you, you're very driven, man. You've always, when you like something, you go to it and you want it to be perfect. It's an awesome quality to have. That's, that's fair. <laughs> I, I, I would, it was probably a little over the top. I think, I think I was way... <laughs> I was way more into it than everybody else was. And that was kind of why I think that's how it kind of fizzled out. Cause it was like, all right, Mike's, Mike's really into this. And I think you guys probably went along with it for a while just to, to humor me. I started smoking pot. I'll be honest about that. I mean, that's kind of where I went. I just kind of felt, found myself a different crowd. It was just like, oh. which is actually, I was going to ask, like, I, I figure thinking back to it now, that was around the time where we kind of started veering off in terms of our friendship for a while. And now I realize it's because you, you started hanging out with a different crowd, but I also, I, I had no idea at the time, I guess I was just naive or whatever. Um, or I just, it never really occurred to me, but I had no idea that you were doing that at that point in time. I mean, I've, I think we're eventually, we're going to get to the, the main topic of the conversation. <laughs> I actually had my first drink when I was in fourth grade. I was with a kid who was two years older than me, and he actually took two Budweiser's out of his grandpa's uh, cooler. And he was like, yo, <laughs> I was like, oh, my dad drinks that. I'm not supposed to drink that. He goes, oh, come on, let's, let's go drink one. I'm like, all right, whatever. So we went in the woods. I had mine. I was like, this is terrible. And I drank the whole thing and I threw up and then I just didn't feel good. And I was like, mm, that stinks stayed away from it then about like seventh grade me and a friend started that's when we started actually sneaking into my uh my parents uh not 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 liquor cabinet yet just in the beers that were left over so okay. like seventh grade but it was not not aggressive but still it was like a, every i probably like i wouldn't say every weekend but definitely a couple times a month i've heard other people talk about like their their stories with alcohol and by the way this is important for anybody who's listening or watching this but this is going to contain some sensitive topics and, and definitely get into some stuff that's not necessarily for everybody. Um, you know, so um, yeah, we are going to talk about what became an addiction for you and, and your, your path to recovery. Um, but yeah, that's, uh, I, I know that I didn't, I was one of the late bloomers in, in every aspect of life. I started dating people late. I started like, I didn't have my first drink. I didn't have my first drink until I was 21, which I got made fun of for, for a long time. Um, but I just like, I, I always, I always did respect that. I may have bust chops, but I always did respect that about you, bro. I always did. I appreciate that. But like, for me, it wasn't, for me, it wasn't like, oh, I'm doing this to be like self-righteous or anything. It's just one, it, it, you know, the, the opportunities that never really presented themselves to me. Like I just, I wasn't around it. I wasn't around a lot of people who did it. It wasn't in my house. I guess they were just, you know, it wasn't something that, that they exposed us to um, for a long time as kids. I think the first time I saw my mom have a drink was at a baseball game when I was like 14. And I was like, what is that? And she's like, oh, it's a beer. And I was like, what is beer? Like it, it's crazy to me 
thinking back how long it took me to be aware that this was you know these these were even things that people did um but i know that that's probably not the norm it's definitely at least not within my circles it's not the norm everybody else almost everybody else i i know started drinking pretty early um so your story i mean i don't know about fourth grade that you know but still like middle school age is definitely and you said you got into it yeah i got more. i got into it about uh end of seventh grade but that like isolated insulin in fourth grade was literally just right it was that one that one drink and then it was actually my grandma who just recently passed away she said to me once when i that when i got older she said you know when you were little you said i can't wait to grow up so i could just hang out and drink beers all day really? i was like so excited to be able to just crack it open and just drink even as wow. a little kid as you said that it just kind of hit me like you know i'm i'm a dad now you know i have i have kids and and i know like i'm very aware and my wife and i are very aware of like how what we say is in influencing them and how what we do for me it's like i have i, I don't want to say a temper necessarily but like i get i get easily flustered and, and frustrated by certain things like i think it's part of my ocd and my anxiety is just like if i can't if i get stuck on something that i can't move past like i'll get frustrated and i'll just kind of like without even you know it's so second nature to me now but i'll just make noises like i'll just go ah oh, come on or like i'll exclaim something that's to me it's nothing but you know to hear my my oldest now kind of mimicking that i'm like okay daddy's gotta daddy's gotta <laughs> get a better handle on this like daddy needs to find a different way to express his frustration when i get when i become a parent hopefully soon i i know that will be something i need to tell myself now because i have a mouth i mean for you though like you worked when you were a swim instructor you had you were working with kids all the time so i imagine that it for you hopefully it's not going to be too much of a stretch to kind of pull that back no because even when I was younger and then still now, I always had a rule, no smoking, no drinking, no cursing in front of kids. And that goes for me or anybody that I'm with at work. And uh, in my regular day life, if I hear other people cursing, it's that, hey, like, you know, or like people smoking. It's like, do you have to do that right now? Like, can you, can you maybe just wait a little bit? Like, I'm not against it. Just, you know, just hold off. We got kids. How do you, knowing that you have like you said you have a mouth i have a mouth like i i, I probably didn't swear until high school either because i was like a, I, I was afraid something was going to happen i don't know what it was i said i said damn once in a recording me and you made and you gave me the nastiest look oh i thought, i remember oh, you, said, dang. you said yeah i remember the damn and exactly you that recording. i was like it's damn man relax yeah no but i mean again like for me it was it was a it was an instance of exposure like my parents just didn't didn't swear around us either so like I guess, I guess you could call it sheltered in a way but you know from from things that you probably don't want to do around kids you know more often than not um yeah I do remember that recording though was it the uh get the car started. it was the car it was the car episode the right car, it was we the had the fan, trying to get the car started the box fan was the car motor <laughs> <laughs> but we found like creative ways to to do stuff on those recordings but yeah i remember you couldn't i think the fan wasn't plugged in or something and you were like in the background trying to fix it and you're like damn i shot you the look hey, yeah. <laughs> like, i also have a freak memory too so i'll just remember things that a lot of people don't remember that we had that conversation i'm like mm, yeah we did yeah i'm not in the same way <laughs> people think it's like they're like how do you remember that i'm like i don't know and with the damage I've done to my brain with alcohol and marijuana, definitely 100%. Well, <laughs> I, still, I still have a good memory. I think that's part of why you and I, I feel like a lot of our 
a lot of our friendship to me is like well <laughs> it's a few things it's it's quoting things from our favorite shows like we could probably have an entire conversation just in family guy quotes where you know and and just kind of a lot of nostalgia i think like we can we always seem to refer back to like something reminds us of this like that recording you know like um (laughs) we i feel like we do that a lot within our friendship it's just like thinking back to just times we were hanging out and and they could have been like nothing instances too but we seem to both remember that kind of stuff of course but so getting back to how you interact in front of kids and and things like that did you find that it was difficult to like scale that back when outside of work maybe or outside of that context where you were working with kids you you know you probably wouldn't be filtered very much or or if at all growing up my dad was extremely conservative no damn no hell no nothing so i had that inside my head somewhere so just naturally whenever i would work with kids it just it just felt it just felt right you know what like keep, keep them innocent. So just don't, don't be doing all that. You don't want to give them the wrong impression of what certain things are so they can hear it. And then so many other times I've heard stories with my sister, with some of the things that she experienced. I was like, you know what? I don't want to have to deal with that. I don't want to have to have that conversation. So, you know, I'm just going to watch my mouth and make sure whenever I'm at work teaching the swim lessons, anybody around me, they watch it too. And then naturally for my amusement, you know, if a kid would, you know, like, you know, just say, hey, well, stop being a Pringle. Like in my head, I know what I said. Yeah, you know, yeah. To them, it's like, ah, I'm a Pringle. Like, yeah. You, know, you don't want to be one, but it's okay. It's it's <laughs> funny to think about. I, I am thinking about how my dad, who wouldn't, would like rarely, if, if my dad swore it was, he was, you knew he was at a 15 on a scale of one to 10. And he, I don't think he ever really directed it at us either. But think it's funny to think about the things they definitely said as the substitutes for like the swear words like my dad would say sugar a lot or uh gosh darn it a lot and i'm like i I know what that means now okay and i'm trying to figure out my own little substitutes now with my kids like i don't even know exactly what i say i just kind of come up with something in the moment or i just i probably just like make my ah come on like (laughs) <laughs> and then that might be as far as it goes. I'm sure my wife would probably have a better like she points stuff out that I'm like, I, really? I didn't I didn't know I did that. She's like, Yeah, you do this all the time. I'm like, I <laughs> that's awesome. You you could have given me a week to write all the things down that I do, like all my traits, and I would never have come up with that. And she's like, Yeah, you do this like regularly. Like she recently told me, um, she recently told me that when when we're having conversations sometimes she could tell when I'm in my head because my mouth moves, like I'm saying other words while she's talking i'm like are you serious like i have no idea that i do that that's got to be so weird why do you put up with this i mean geez what i do i mean i'm just i'm naturally out of my mind so <laughs> it's, you know once the door is shut I'm, I'm quoting things i'm just making sounds i'm being ridiculous i yeah, it's just, it's voices. For me, it's always voices. Again, going back, that's why we're friends. It was just, I'd rather just not talk in this voice. I'd rather just talk in another voice or just pretend to be another person yelling at you rather than actually yelling at you. And that was part of my teaching thing too. If I could just, you know, I always would tell the kids and I'd tell the parents like, listen, so like when I, if I'm talking in this voice, this means I'm serious. You know, it's serious. Oh, like, what the hell you doing? Like, that's a joke. Right. That, that, I'm not actually that mad at you. I'm just, I'm telling you, hey, I don't want you doing that, but I'm saying it in a fun way. Yeah. That's so like you're, you're over-exaggerating it 
there's yeah. truth behind it, but you're making it all so over the top that it's like, oh, he's not really that mad. He's just playing. <laughs> you know? Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. And that and that extended also into my into the summer camp that I ran and I worked for, you know, now oversee. Um, it's the same thing. The kids knew that I was always laughing and always having a good time. But if you had to hear me talk like this, that was a problem. That was a problem. <laughs> like you yeah. don't want to have to hear me get serious. And even now, still, like as I run the gym, like I love to be having a fun time. Like that's that's my main my main priority is fun and just everyone. You know, you take it seriously, but you know, smile, laugh, stay positive as you're doing it. And um, if you have to get the stern talk, then you know you screwed up. Yeah, I was a teacher for the better part of, I guess, about ten years, and. I guess maybe because I was like such a perfectionist about certain things in my head, I already, I already would have played out a lesson. I mean, anybody who's worked with kids knows like nothing really goes the way you plan. Like rarely does it ever go exactly how you plan it. So in my head, it was just like, okay, uh, this is what I'm going to do. And I I had like, it was almost like rhythmic for me. And then, you know, I'd never, at least early on, I didn't account for, well, you know, kids have an attention span of this and you're expecting this of them. So I would find I would get, flustered and I would try to I would try to keep it positive but there were definitely tones of voice that I would have where they knew like okay Mr. T they call me Mr. T but they knew <laughs> they knew that I was um being serious and, and that they needed to like it would stop them in their tracks if I used certain tones and they're like oh okay listen mistakes happen mistakes happen and my whole thing is that if you make the mistake once and I'm mad or whatever and I come up to you and I literally just say listen so you made this mistake and this is how you're supposed to do it. All right. That's it. If we have to have this conversation again, that's when I have a problem. That's fair. It's okay to make a mistake. It's fine. Yeah. We're allowed to. Just don't make it again. And I feel like that's especially like, I feel like that probably sets you up in terms of like parenting that probably sets you up in a, in a good spot where like you, you know, you get, you, there's the learning curve, give them the learning curve. Yeah. And then learn from it. So like to, to be able to pull yourself back and use certain tones of voice and, and not swear and, or, you know, in certain contexts, it takes a certain amount of restraint. It takes a certain amount of wherewithal to, to know, okay, I'm in this context. How easy is it for you to like turn that on and turn that off? Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Actually. It's very, very easy to turn it off, turn it on. I mean, sometimes I'll slip, like, I'll just like, I get excited and I'll be like, Oh, yeah. Huh? Like, you know, you just got to give that little quick look around, you know, um, that's one thing I don't tolerate either is, in a, I mean, I love an inappropriate joke. I love a joke that goes over the edge. I don't care. Like, I think that's funny, but as long as you're around the right people and if you are around certain people, know your audience, know your environment. Don't Read just come in and say something and then be like, I don't want to have to have that feeling that like, oh, oops. I don't want anyone to be upset. So that kind of brings me to a question that I know because I know you, if I'm reading the room just between you and I, I know it's, we're good, but because of the context of this and because I'm putting, we're putting this out there, I want to make it clear that like, I'm trying to be, I'm not trying to be insensitive when I ask this. Not at all. Obviously addiction is a recognized medical condition that people have. It's not, oh, this person, you know, doesn't have self-control. You were able to show a certain amount of restraint in certain contexts. When you were getting more into, I guess, what ended up becoming problematic patterns with whether it was smoking or drinking, could you feel 
a change happen inside yourself? Is there a feeling that came with when you would have a drink? Am I trying to like connect two things that are totally unconnected or, or is there some kind of connection? Um, so naturally when anyone, I mean, I did not, as I already said, I did not try marijuana first. I had alcohol first. Right. I, I fell in love with alcohol first. And then I met marijuana and I fell in love with that. And then due to certain decisions, which we'll get to eventually later, I was not allowed to smoke pot anymore and could only drink. So in addiction, in the rooms, in wherever you are, what you learn is that it's not necessarily the alcohol, the heroin, the pills, the sex, the, the, the gambling. It's, it's, it's me. There's a lot of me problems. So in my life and in my story, I had a lot of problems with people leaving me and I couldn't deal with that. And it was much easier for me to escape. And once you find something that's you're like, wow, I could forget everything after doing this. Mm -hmm. I jumped, I, I jumped real quick. Now I was afraid to advance on to other things. God bless to other people who told me, no, you shouldn't do that, Rich, because that's not going to be, you won't like it, even though they ended up going to jail for it. <laughs> but, you know, they looked at me and they said, Rich, don't, don't do that. Like, you're just, and I, I trusted them and I believed them. And I said, okay, I'm just going to, I'm just going to drink. I'm just going to smoke because it's not that bad. And I'm just going to drink because it's socially acceptable. Now, when I was about 15, I got introduced to marijuana and I completely stopped drinking. I was like, no, like I like pot. This is great. It's calm. I'm not a jerk. I don't pee myself. I don't act out. I mean, I'm silly, but you know, that is what it is. And then when I got to college and I met a couple of friends, it was like, okay, I started drinking a little bit with them and started dabbling in some other, um, some other drugs. And I still, I was like, no, this, this isn't really me. I mean, I like it, but I was still, on the fun cloud at that point. Nothing too drastic that I haven't already dealt with by therapy, like my parents divorced when I was in seventh grade. Like all that stuff was kind of calmed down, simmered. Now it's like, all right, Rich, we've 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 buried that for the moment. Let's let's progress. So I felt comfortable in my life. I felt comfortable with my situation. I had a really good girlfriend. I had a, a lot of great friends. I was going to school. So I felt like I was on top of the world. But due to a breakup, I lost my brain. I lost it. Another person left me over things I could not control. But what could I control? Alcohol. If you or someone you know is struggling with substance abuse and addiction, help is available. Visit www.help.org slash drug abuse hotline for a complete list of resources. Stay tuned for part two of this episode airing January 12th, 2022.